On this week's episode of the Games Beat Decides podcast, we talk THQ Nordic, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and the Frostbite Engine, and the most impressive moment of our entire lives. It's the internet. You're busy. Let's do this. Uh, this is the game. I, I, I forgot how to like host this podcast, Mike. It's already <laughs> broken down. It's our, we are off the rails already. We skipped a week because you weren't feeling well last week, so it's already broken. Um, let's see. So what do I say? I think this is it's the internet. You're busy. Let's do this. Welcome to the Game Speed Decides podcast. It is a podcast where we decide everything so you don't have to think for yourself. And I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb. That's the only thing I was really confident about there. Uh, and with me is... Mike Minotti. And man, I had... Such a strong urge, like a very childish urge to just make a very loud, childish fart noise during the song <laughs> intro. Because like I could just picture people just listening to it, and all of a sudden they just they just hear this fart sound. Like what the hell is that? I, I'll like, tell you, I have myself. a I had a similar urge. Um, this was just like I was at the fridge, and I'm just like thinking about that uh, song from that Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga movie, uh, and how like all these people are like so in love with the song, and it's a fine song. I don't hate it or anything, but I just imagined like going to karaoke and acting like I was going to do like a really serious rendition of it, and then just making fart noises to the tune the entire time. Very nice stuff. Very nice. That that's that was uh, the uh, little thought experiment I did in my head while standing at my fridge last night. Uh, um, we're adults. Yeah, we are. Uh, th- 35, 32, I'm almost 36, Mike. Uh, death is coming for us any day now. Good, good. good. Uh, until then, though, we got some news and some video games to talk about. Is that okay with you? Wow, that's crazy. I know, right? I, I you know, changing it up on you, trying to oh, do okay. something different. Um, I know you don't like that, but you know, mm-hmm. sometimes change is good. Uh, first, though. I should thank everybody for joining us, and you can get more from me and Mike at GamesBeat.com. If you have something to share with us, you can email the podcast at GamesPlusPodcast at VentureBeat.com, or get us on Twitter at GBDecides or at GamesBeat. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or you're listening to this on the website, you can get uh, a subscription of this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, We also have an RSS feed if that's how you prefer to do things. Um, And if you like the show, you should rate us on Apple Podcasts. And I think also Stitcher. I think people use that. I think Google uses that. I think Stitcher's a thing. Um, That helps people find the show. Uh, finally, I want to thank you. uh, say thank you to Carlos Ayin, who is Insane in the Rain Music on YouTube for the use of our theme song. Uh, Mike, yeah. uh, how's it been going? Like, yeah, you weren't feeling good. Were you able to, you know, keep up and still play some games? Or yeah, what? yeah, I feel, yeah. I know. I was like, I was like, kind of on again, off again, sick for like yeah. the last two weeks. So it was terrible, but I, I think I finally feel better. I think, I think my lifestyle's gotten pretty unhealthy. I think I need to. It always gets this way towards like the end of winter. So yeah, kind of inside a lot, not doing much. I just start feeling like crap. So. Yeah, I've, I've definitely been using like, oh, I have a newborn. It's an excuse to just sort yeah. of like lay in the same position for hours at a time. But so I, I need to, yeah, I need to. I want to like start doing more projects around the house and outside, especially once mm-hmm. it gets warmer. I want to just like build fire pits and stupid things like that, just so that totally. <laughs> I'm not just. Hey, totally I mean, you, you're games. a homeowner now, so yeah, it's totally yeah, like, you know, like I'm, those I'm stupid projects value. can actually. Yeah, exactly. You can always use that excuse. Totally. Right. Yeah, um, but video but, games. But while we're stuck inside, we are playing video games. Um, wh- like, like what? What have you been playing? What you been, I mean, what really, what I've been playing the most is a lot of Apex Legends. I'm really into it. I'm having a lot of fun with that. 
You so are you playing like nightly? Is it kind of like um, your old maybe pattern of like playing Overwatch? Or yeah, what? it really has kind of taken that Overwatch slot to be honest, uh, which is interesting. Because and I've written about it a bit how like Overwatch is I don't know it's kind of in a place where I'm, I'm slightly losing interest, which I know maybe is normal. It's a two year old game, it's I guess. Two years old. But part yeah. of me is also like maybe some of the decisions they made haven't been the best for it. Uh, you know, I've, I've written about that a bit. But Apex Legend is uh it's just it's super fun. It's that it's like the battle royale that is the kind of right mix of like focusing on the shooting. Like Fortnite's a lot of fun, but the building is such an important part of it. And, and that stuff's fun in a way, but I'd rather probably just shoot things. And uh, it's faster paced than PUBG and uh, even really called the Call of Duty one. So this one is definitely kind of the one I've really uh, been gravitating to. And it's just very well made and fun and stuff. Did you like? I, so I've been. I'm at a point where I feel like I haven't played enough, and every time I get on, I feel like I'm bad at it. Um, I still like. I still load into matches, and it shows my character, and it says like two kills with this character, and I'm really embarrassed. And then I don't get any more kills because I feel like uh, the time to kill is, is different than what I'm used to, and I still haven't uh, got accustomed to that. Because like when it came out, I started. I think I reviewed a game, and then uh, Trials came out, and I started reviewing that. So I just like kind of dig it on the bandwagon with everyone else and now i feel almost left behind no, uh, did mean, you like feel like you like hit a curve where you like were learning pretty quickly or what yeah there's definitely a point like you really even just like the last week where i've started like feeling way more confident i think i'm up to five wins now or something so like it's definitely like even when i'm not winning i feel like i'm usually like doing pretty well and it, there definitely was a, a learning curve there with with that kind of the high time to kill uh, just kind of learning, you know, like with, with all of them, it's about learning the map, learning which guns are good and stuff like that. But the learning phase is fun itself. And then once I kind of like figured it out, I, I have it figured out pr- pretty decently now. So, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I think that's, I, I might have to just kind of tell myself. You got to roll with and- me, dude. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I think what I need, I need to learn the map, and I need to like just then just jump into those spicy areas over and over. But the problem is like it is just team based, so I will. I think I'd have to play with people that I know. So yeah, I, I mean the team based thing is, is is kind of weird. I mean the pinging system is so good that you can still solo queue and like you can play with people without necessarily having to feel like you have to like be in a chat room with strangers. You know, like they may still say something, but it's, it's not as obnoxious as it is. Right. Sometimes, like, yeah, and that, like, that, I, all I, that I kinda, I'm totally cool with. Yeah. So it's kinda, just like, like I learned in PUBG by like just like oh I'll just jump school over and over and over until I'm confident in my shooting, um, and and that worked. And then you can, I mean to do that in Apex Legends, you have to like talk to your friends and say hey we're gonna go do this as a team because I feel too guilty to do that when I'm playing with strangers that aren't. That don't want to necessarily do that. So well, I mean, Apex Legends. It kind of even more so some of the other ones. I mean, there's not there's no there's no like towers like in Fortnite or, or something like that. There's not like the one big place that is like the crazy place. Like the, like there will be like one place that's kind of highlighted blue each map, and that will kind of be crazy. And there's a drop ship if you go on that, that'll be kind of crazy. But I mean, in, in general, you kind of want to go to a place that's pretty good uh, anyway. I mean, it works like that in a lot of battle but but in this one, the pace is kind of faster because the map is smaller and there's less players. That just killing people and getting their loot is by far the best way to get good stuff, more so than just dropping off in the middle of nowhere and just trying to kind of loot around on your own. Yeah, and it is also by far the best way to learn because you know just you, you keep getting into these fights, you keep you know learning the mechanics better. So you know maybe you'll die every time, but you're probably gonna die every time anyways until you learn the game. So hey. Yeah, I, it still is the one like um, 
if I want to get online and play an online multiplayer shooter or any kind of like just game that's like, oh, I got a little bit of time. It is the one I want to be playing. Um, I, I just, yeah, I think I need to actually right t- now. Yeah, I, I gotta like. I think I have to take that time to sort of get like comfortable with it. So, so you mean you're not you're not getting deep into Anthem? What? <laughs> so I so here's my Anthem story. So I I think you've been playing you've been playing a lot more than I have. My Anthem story is I put it on my laptop, my gaming laptop downstairs, got it going, and I'm like, okay, I can kind of like play games uh, when I have two young kids when I like on my gaming laptop because I'll be around them, I can see what's going on, and I can go take care of stuff real quick. But you can't pause Anthem. And that's no, no, it's not a knock against Anthem. It's just like where my life is right now that uh, I can't play a game that you can't pause. I just, there's no way. Um, so if I'm in the middle of the action and if I need to like, even when I'm playing by myself or whatever, if I, if I pause and it's like the world's still happening, things could be going on and I could end up getting killed and, and just getting sent back anywhere. I'm like, I just, I can't do that right now. So I, I, I didn't even finish like the earliest t- tutorial missions. Cause I just oh, made really? a decision. Like there's too much other stuff to play. This game will probably get better over time. And I can come back to it when I'm in a place where I actually can play something like this. And until then I'm just going to put it away and just let other people tell me about it. So Mike, yeah, <laughs> How's Anthem? It's yeah. not too good. That's kind of, I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of um, people who do seem to enjoy it, but I, I don't, th- I think most people are right, right there yeah. with you. My brother that likes way. it a lot. He's mad at me that I don't like it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. It's just, I just don't think it's very Well, you, I mean, you. Uh, to be fair, you are part of the conspiracy against Anthem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. But I mean, I don't know. It's just like, Part of the problem is, like, I think there a lot of people kind of come from it as being big Bioware fans, and they're, like, that they're kind of curious, like, oh, how's Bioware going to put a story into the game? Like, my thinking is, I hope they don't, because, like, I, I don't really need that garbage in my looter shooters very much anyways. I don't think it's all, I don't think the Bioware stories have been all that interesting anyways for, for a long time. Like, even Dragon Age Inquisition, which was fine, like, I beat that game, like, I couldn't tell you what happened in that game. There was an Inquisition, I think. I think <laughs> I was a part of that. So, you know, to me, I only really kind of care about the mechanics of it. And the flying is really cool. The, the world looks real pretty. Uh, fighting things is boring. Uh, the mission structure is insanely boring. Like, you have to turn the difficulty up from normal to, to hard just so that, like, you're doing something when you're playing the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the loot is not very satisfying right now i mean i'm still really want to get to the end game before i really judge it but i'm I'm, you know because that's so much of these kind of things but yeah just like kind of going through it it's it's not been as good an experience as say destiny or division right and like and you are uh you're coming at it as someone who has played through division and division destiny and destiny 2 but not division right right? division a little bit destiny well, Still, that's a lot. That's a lot of these of. kinds of games because these right. games are a lot. And so, it's yeah. it's kind of in the back of my head, like man, De- Destiny Two, which I I did like honestly, even when it was getting a lot of criticism, and you know I did eventually stop playing it, uh, but largely because I was playing World of Warcraft again. But I just hear so much about how Destiny Two is great now, and like playing it, I'm like, oh, I kind of want to just play some Destiny Two right. now, maybe because that game, you know, does have good. Uh, some decent mission designs, like and like the the open world design in Destiny Two is so much better because there's like a lot of people in those open maps. Like in the, in uh, Anthem, they only put four people in the map, and like there aren't map markers when like the world events happen. So like you can't like it's like it's not, like in Destiny Two when that happens, it's like all the players converge on it, and it's kind of this exciting thing. And then also when it happens, those missions are neat, and there's like the secret thing you have to do to kind of like unlock the hard mode of it. 
and in Anthem, it's usually it's always just go here and kill all the people, or go here and like collect the five orbs and bring them back while you kill people. Right. So, do you think it's um, I don't want to say salvageable, but do you think this game is going to take that same arc as uh, Destiny, Destiny Two, The Division? Uh, Rainbow Six Siege from a different genre. I mean, but, I mean, all those games were online live services that eventually got to a place where people were very happy with them. Uh, I mean, it could. I mean, the problem is like each time this happens again, people get more and more tired of that, right? Right. They get a little bit more sick of like, oh, it's going to be, here's the 12 month roadmap of when the game will be good, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm sure it'll definitely be better. I mean, what, I'm, I'm already concerned about the end game in terms of like, it sounds like there's basically like these three dungeons that you kind of just, that you do. And that's like the main way I think they need something that's kind of like a raid or, or something like that. At least right. you know, for me, that's what like, that was the coolest thing in destiny two at launch was that raid was, was an incredible experience. I hope there's something like that, but yeah, I don't know. It's like, there's, there's, there's so many little things about the game that drive me nuts. The UI is not very good. The fact that like, to change your equipment, you need to like kind of go to this place in the town and like push the button. Like, why can't I just? Why isn't that just in the menus to change my equipment? Like, even if you don't want me to do it, like in like combat or whatever in the open world, fine, just don't let me. But like, the, I have to like go to this terminal is nuts. Even like that open that 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 hub world that when you're in like first person and you're like walking around slowly, like I like that. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's not super jiving with me, except for like, yeah, the flying is is great. That feels super fun and super nice. So, like the fundamental of that, and like some, like you know, the shooting itself, like the mechanics of it are fine. The abilities are cool. The the combo system is good. So, like that stuff is fine. So, I guess like in a way, it's good that that's the stuff that's already working because you know when you make a new mission, you could just try to make a more interesting mission. It'd be a lot harder to try to change the mechanics of the game. Yeah, I I think you're right. Although, I mean, God, with the with Frostbite, it just seems like it, the problem is always making content. Like actually, like like getting the the basics down seems like the easy well, part, and then actually putting those mechanics into fun things that like feel different and making enough variety. That seems like a thing that this engine always struggles with. That's just, that's kind of been an interesting problem with a lot of these sort of AAA looter shooters is that they're built on very top end stuff, so it's so much more difficult to make. It's so much more difficult right. to make a new zone for a Destiny 2 or Anthem than it is for World of Warcraft, right? Or even a Final right. Fantasy 14, which is, you know, higher than that. Because it's just, right, there's so much more that's going into it. And that's why things start looking derivative and kind of recycled, and, the, and they kind of come out slowly. It's one of, the, one of those things that makes me like, man, are they going to be able to get a raid together, like, at any time in the near future? I mean, maybe, but... Uh, probably it, not. I don't know. I hope so, but pr- probably not, Yeah. They're probably gonna. They're so. probably gonna make a lot more of those. Whatever their dungeons are called, I can't remember. But, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I'm. I'm interested to see where it goes. It. It. You, you were talking about this, so it's like the people who are in charge of the post game content. It's. It's. Uh, gonna be the the old Republic guys, right? Yeah, so I mean, the the team is at e, at, at Bioware Austin, which is the old Republic team. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. So it's. I mean, that doesn't mean that like. Bioware or Edmonton isn't involved with like the, the, that stuff. It's just like the live service operation team is in Austin for this game. So, and then they're, you know, they're used to 
rescuing games that launch rough because that was their whole storyline because they started to make that in Star Wars the old the old republic MMO and you know no one really loved that game at launch and then over time it turned into something that you know you hear people talk fondly of even if I've never really tried it um and so yeah I, I, this game definitely could take that same arc because it does have a team that's behind it although you know you got at the same time BioWare Edmonton is still involved and they don't really ship uh, games that are received poorly. So you got to wonder how they're feeling. Yeah, they, it's going to be kind of rough. I mean, you know, working on this one project for so long and then kind of having to be on the defensive on it once it's actually out. Right. I mean, like, even if, like, it seems like the storyline around Dragon Age Inquisition over time soured slightly, that game won a lot of Game of the Year awards when it came right. out. It's kind of a rough so year, but yeah, I mean, right. it, it did fine. You know, yeah, it's certainly yes. something they could have been proud of. Exactly, yeah, and and you know, then before that, it was a bunch of Mass Effect games that people loved for the most part, and so yeah, so they like they they got to be thinking, oh yeah, we don't ship bad games, and now now what are we doing here? Uh, so it does seem, but it, it, like for me, that's a good sign that then that the live stuff is being led by Austin, because that's going to be a team of right, people who are trial by fire and the stuff already ready to go to make this game something that could and, be. And uh, they're going to uh, be hunkering down on uh on the dragon, the new Dragon Age now, I guess, huh? Yeah, I mean, you would think, like, probably at some point, but who knows? Because that, that game is still very early. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. The game is very, very, uh... It almost seems like they wanted to announce it to make sure that it happens before EA could have a chance to be like, Bioware's done because Anthem failed. Now, they like, oh, you already told people we're making the Dragon Age. <laughs> Close us now. It definitely feels that way. Like, it just, yeah. Like, it was, like, a last-minute decision, but... Who knows? Um, I, I definitely think that the um, fate of, of Bioware is still in like it's still going to be tied to whatever happens with Anthem over the next year. So uh, I bet a lot of people are going to be like, let's get this game in order first, and then we can start putting more people on Dragon Age. Uh, we'll see, though. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, it certainly feels like a game that, I mean, you know, we say of all these things, it could have used more time to develop, blah, blah, blah. You know, what does that mean even? But yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a game that felt like it had to come out because of the end of the fiscal year. Right, which is, um, which is of course hilarious then that we had Apex Legends come out right before. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if EA wishes, like, yeah, wishes they like didn't commit to that so hard, so they could have maybe pulled the ripcord on that at the last second. But, uh, you know, things were in so far in motion, the marketing was already going when Apex Legends came out. And I know a lot of people think, like, oh, Apex Legends is going to take away from Anthem, and Apex Legends is... Uh, like, oh, it had to be a surprise to to Bioware that this game came out. It's going to take away all their players. And it's like, no, this was the plan for a long time at EA. They were that they had Apex Legends as another game to come out before the end of the fiscal quarter as a stealth release. It was always sort of the plan. Uh, they just weren't sure if it was going to come maybe in March or February is my understanding. So uh, the fact that they bumped it up to March before before Anthem, maybe that says something. But I think it was more like, let's get more people onto uh Onto Origin. Are you under the impression that EA is surprised by how well Apex Legends has been doing already? Or is yes. kind of what they were hoping for? I mean, I think, I mean, no one was expecting this. No way. Um, I think what happened is, uh, you know, you have Respawn, which is like, feels like this golden goose that laid two bronze eggs. So then, like, they had Titanfall 1 and Titanfall 2. Good games. Just like, they're totally fine games that I, I, I think are great uh, that didn't sell... Uh, anywhere near Call of Duty numbers. So, and they're, you know, it's the former Call of Duty team. So, these two bronze eggs, and then they're like, EA is like, well, you know, we got to make them that Star Wars game. We want to make sure this team stay, stays together. There's some value here. Let's just go ahead and buy 
this golden goose, and then the next egg it lays is Apex Legends. You got to be wondering if like Vince Zampella is like, Whoops. fuck, <laughs> god <laughs> damn it. <laughs> but yeah, who knows about that? But for EA, it's like, okay, yeah, um, we weren't expecting this, but we knew this team had some potential here, and now it's like, respawn, do whatever you want. It's kind of my understanding at EA. It's like, as soon as Apex Legends happens, like you guys have free reign to do what you need to do. Uh, so uh, I, I, I don't necessarily know that they thought it could do this, but now that it is, they're like, we understand that it happened because Respawn is Respawn. Um, so that's, I think that's a good sign overall for the most part. Yeah, for the, maybe there's all their studios, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, and, and you know, you look at DICE, uh, who's coming off a bunch of Battlefield games um, and Battlefront, and, like, they've made, like, a bunch of games in the last several years. I, I would expect EA to maybe think, like, oh, now we can give dice a breather maybe some um, some more time off than what we would have because they don't have a star wars battlefront announced for this, yeah, one this fall and sadly like the, the last non-star wars or battlefront thing was mirror's edge catalyst which which wasn't which was go. exactly like i'm mean, honestly that's the defining game of modern ea uh in a negative way like that game was like people were saying oh we wanted a mirror's edge sequel we want a mirror's edge sequel he's like well we'll try we'll put one of our best teams on it dice is gonna make it okay and it turned out okay like it's a it's an okay it's a mediocre to good game and that's not good enough and the game didn't sell anywhere near what it had to and so it's like like why are we making these games and that's why ea is so afraid to put money into single player games going forward um and so, yeah, and so, like, DICE probably, DICE probably needs a break, right? Like, it feels like they maybe need to, like, refocus and maybe look to respawn in some ways for, like, okay, what can we do to, like, break out of this cycle of putting out a game or two every year for the last half decade or more? What about battle? What about the Battlefield Battle Royale? You know, I mean, it's got to I mean, still be coming, right, maybe? I mean, they can't just know. not release it now, I guess, but... Yeah, because, I mean... Feel like- you sold that game and you said it was coming, so it's yeah. it, they're going to have to release it. But honestly, to me, this I think this is another Frostbite story, right? Where that why is that not ready yet? Why is that not? <laughs> I mean, fucking respawn got uh, there's going in Source Engine, which is an ancient engine. I know it's a fork of Source. It's like a, a it's like a completely different thing after a certain point of time. But still, it's it, you know, the underlying technology there is the stuff that made you know Half Life or whatever um, Half Life Two, and, and so it's like. You know why? Why is Dice just not able to deliver all this content that it's kind of promises in a in a more timely way? And it, Battlefield Five certainly had that problem where it launched without a lot of stuff. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think Dice needs to maybe refocus and maybe kind of worry more about its own games instead of just like get, getting Frostbite working for everyone else. And maybe it can start getting back onto a good schedule of releasing stuff that is jam packed with stuff at launch day. All right, I kind of got a soft topic there. Uh, yes. What else have I been playing? Uh, <laughs> I've been playing the Toe Jam and Earl, the new one, a little a bit. Yeah, so I, I just kind of realized this was coming out because I started seeing people talk about it, saying they're getting their Kickstarter codes, and then I saw the accounts saying, and we got some bad reviews too. And I'm like, oh no, the official accounts like talking about their bad reviews. Uh, that's everything I know about it, so you tell me. I, that think I mean, the, their Twitter account has been kind of insane. They're doing a little bit of anything, being a little right. weird. Right, I, I, I got the impression after that. So yeah, yes. I mean, they're, I think they're like at a 77 Metacritic, so it's fine for that. Okay, uh, yes, for what it is, yeah. Right, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because in a lot of ways, this is like the first real sequel to Toe Jam and Earl 1. Like, Toe Jam and Earl 2 was the weird 2D side-scroller one that I kind of love. And then Toe Jam and Earl 3 was was kind of this this kind of other thing that came on the Xbox like forever ago. Um, But, I yeah, I actually, like, 
it, it's weird because I, I guess I don't love Tojim and Earl 1 is kind of the way I think, despite being a Sega, I like Tojim and Earl 2. This one is very much like, it, it is basically that game looking kind mm-hmm. of like newer. Uh, it's, it's basically a, a roguelike that's kind of a slow pace. It's like kind of like charmingly clunky, I guess you can almost say, is sort of its thing. But you're like walking around randomly generated worlds, just kind of looking for parts of your spaceship. Same exact setup as Tojim and Earl 1. Uh, and you get these presents, and like the presents are different things. Uh, like One of them will be rocket boots, so you can... Like, go faster for a bit, you'll have tomatoes, you can kind of attack the humans. Like, I think a lot of what people like about this game is kind of its weirdness. Like, the enemies are, like, weird-looking, like, humans. Like, you know, the guy who identifies your items is wearing a carrot mask. Gandhi's in it, and Gandhi will, like, do things, you know? It's, it's kind of just silly and goofy and fun. There's definitely a lot of charm and heart in it. You can tell that this was, like, the game that this guy's wanted to make for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely very likable in that sense. But it is definitely sort of a, hey, did you like Toe Jam in Earl 1? If that's your thing, I mean, here this is pretty similar. So, I mean, but you do think the fans of that will be pretty happy with what it is? Yeah, if you're like a big Toe Jam in Earl 1 fan, I think you're, you're going to be pretty happy with this. And it's like, not that I like don't like it or anything. I like it fine. Right. That's not, I, I, that's not no, really right. my jam, necessarily. I'm with you. I, I'm, it's, I, I more like the idea of it than I ever liked it. Yeah, that. exactly. That's what yeah, I, I and like, I kind of realized that when I was when that Sega Genesis Classic came out, I was like played Tojim and Earl. Like when I played Tojim and Earl one as a kid, I barely even really knew what was happening in that game. I just would wander around. I knew the cheat code to go to that one weird island or whatever, and I would do that and think that was fun. But I never really understood the game. And now that I'm old enough to kind of understand it, I'm like, oh well, yeah, okay, works on. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. Anything else, or should I get onto what uh, I, my, my two Let's hear about you. Yeah, let's talk about me for once. Uh, Trials Rising is mostly what I've been playing. Um, I did the review. I like that game a lot. I'm still playing it because lots of scores to set. And I actually ended up playing it on Switch and PC almost simultaneously. Um, because they, you know, that, you know, well, one, because one's a Switch you could take with you. You were very skeptical about that Switch version. I was. I, w- I was very skeptical. And, that, and there's a couple of reasons. Uh, the, the, the Switch does not have analog triggers. Uh, Trials Rising is a game where you are on a motorcycle trying to get it over some obstacles to the end, and the way you control it is you have a brake, you can lean your character, and then there's the throttle. But the throttle is an, an analog um, button. So, like, the harder you push, the more throttle you're going to give your bike. So if you're going up steep hills, one of the ways to to do that, like, the right way is to give it a little bit of throttle as soon as you land on these steep surfaces, and then gently like press down so you get more power as you go up. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of fine- finesse to moves like that. Uh, that finesse is just completely absent from the Switch version if you are playing with a Pro Controller or the... You I can't know, believe the $70 Switch Pro Controller doesn't have analog shorter buttons. Yeah, I mean, it's just because, you know, the, 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 that Nintendo just doesn't use that input anymore. It hasn't since the GameCube. Um uh, which is interesting. If you do connect a GameCube controller with uh, the the dongle, you can use its analog trigger. So it is possible to do it on the Switch, but uh, that kind of de- defeats the purpose. Because if I'm going to play it on a TV, um, I'm just going to play the PC version that I also have. I know that's not everyone's case, um, uh, but then so like if you're saying, well, I would do that. How does it look? Um, you know, it, it looks pretty good on the Switch, surprisingly. Now it is running at 30 frames per second. It is 720 at best. Um, and it does the dynamic resolution thing. So it's going to like kind of look more chunky at different parts. Uh, and it also has a ton of like Nintendo 64 style fog over a lot of the backgrounds. 
but but for the most part, it, it, it's a tribute. You are, yeah, yeah I, I, you know, I honestly don't mind it. It does remind me of that, and it was kind of fun. Um, but it, it feels right, which you would expect at 30 frames per second, it wouldn't feel right. But it turns out, and the developer actually reached out to me on Twitter to say, like, this is why. Um, one of their, like, one of their like like tech wizards, I guess, figured out how to make the inputs happen at 60 frames per second. So everything in the world is still existing and happening at 60 frames per second. Um, but you just see the visuals at 30 frames per second. So if you make a move on the bike, it's going to register that the same way it would register that on any of the other systems. Uh, so that so it ends up feeling right for a trials game, which is like really important for someone who's played the series for a long time. Um, so the responsiveness is all there, and you can. You know, if you can get used to not having the analog triggers, which I got, I think I got pretty used to, especially through everything that's not like an extremely hard course, or if you're not using that Mantis bike, which is like a, a bike that's very good for like doing uh, bunny hops and it's a very light bike. So it's like very easy to like uh, flip it over backwards if you don't have the finesse on the power. Uh, but you use that in very specific hardcore circumstances. The rest of the time for the rest of the bikes, it's just fine. It works really well. Um, that said, if I had to pick one version, me personally, I still would go with PC or Xbox One or PS4. So, I mean, the game. I mean, you're a big Trials fan. Like, how how is this this Trials compared to like some of the other installments? It's great. It's it's. I mean, to me, it's like the ideal uh, version of what a Trials should be these days. Uh, so, I mean, the series kind of it felt it felt like it peaked uh, after Trials HD with Trials Evo, Tri- Trials Evolution, which is an Xbox 360 game, and Trials HD kind of got like was pretty popular because it happened right like during the summer of indie things that the Xbox used to do. So it got popular, and I think uh, the, Ubisoft, who owns Red Links, the developer, felt like we can expand on this series and do something more. And Trials Evo did that. It was the courses were way more wild. Stuff was happening in the background. They were telling these like weird stories, and then also had some multiplayer stuff. And 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 it kind of did everything you would want it to do. And then since then, they've been a little lost. Where with Trials, um, yeah, Trials of the Blood Dragon was like this weird shooter that just did not work at all. It's a really bad game. Um, that, that's the biggest departure. But then like Trials um, Fusion, it had this really weird sci-fi storyline that I like, uh, but it also has a trick system that brings nothing to the game. And it's not why anyone comes to Trials. You're in Trials to do races against your friends and their ghosts or you know head-to-head in online multiplayer. And the trick system doesn't like really affect that in any way and most people ignored it and and then when you didn't have to ignore it in the single player campaign during some missions where you actually had to use it it's like okay i see what they're going for here and it feels like a trials ass trick system but that's not fun it's just not um so so now we're at this point where okay so we're going to come back to this game trials trials rising what are they what are they going to do to make this game different and and the answer is nothing. They're going back <laughs> to the basics. They're just making another, basically a sequel to Trials Evolution um, with no trick system, nothing, none of the other stuff. Instead, what they did is they just threw everything else into this game around those core mechanics without fucking with the core mechanics, which is a really good idea for something like this. So it plays just like those classic Trials games, but now you have like a really fleshed out multiplayer mode. There's a ton of options for like how you're, how you uh, play against ghosts and see other people's ghosts. Uh, so like you can feel like you're making progress. Uh, you could see anyone's replay at any time. There's a party mode where uh, you could choose, you can mess with every single option for how like the bikes behave. Like you could set moon gravity if you want, and you can make the bikes way more powerful or you can make force everyone to use the bicycle. Uh, and then in this party mode, you can also like set up, um, 
like bets. So it's clearly made for, you know, everyone sitting on the couch playing next to each other co-op and you could choose like, okay, uh, whoever wins this or whoever like loses has to buy pizza or something or whoever wins <laughs> gets to tell everyone else like what animal noise they have to make. And these are things that are like, exist in the game. There's these little cards and you get to pick them and it's really smart stuff. It's like really good use of like, we have these core mechanics. How do we expand on them to make it a game that can, um, that first can be justified to be released again. And then second, it's something that people won't want to play over and over again for like many, many months or something like that. Uh, and all that stuff really, uh, you know, lends itself to that sort of play. But, but really the basic thing that they did here is they made some really good courses. The courses are the best the series has ever seen. Uh, they're all fun. They all have cool stuff happening in the background. They all feel really interesting. Um, one keeps coming to my mind where like you're racing on the back of this moving train and, and there's a ton of Ooh, cool stuff happening on I'm the train. I'm a sucker for train levels in video games. Me too, yeah. And, and they God, really those, those are always so good. And it's one where it's like, okay, so I really want to try to get a good score on this one. So uh, I started finding the optimal route. And when I found the optimal route, I started realizing that the posts that were like flying past you like uh, and over... The, the, the train that I didn't even really realize were there. I thought they were just sort of uh, just sort of like decoration. They were actually, you interact with those. And if you don't hit these very narrow windows on the optimal route through the level, the things will just hit you and knock you off your bike and kill you. Uh, and it was like really interesting. Like, Oh, okay. So like they're, they're putting these very interesting challenges in the, even the easy and medium levels where it's like, if you want to find these perfect routes, you're going to have to like, you're going to have to be really good at it. And you're going to, to you're going to have to deal with way more than everyone else is going to have to deal with. And it just made the game uh, a joy to kind of go through and try to find all these re really great routes and trying to beat my friend's scores. Uh, a couple of people were playing early. So it was nice to kind of race against them. And it's just a game that I'm really, really happy that came out in the way it did. They really nailed it. Cool. Well, I'm glad you're happy. You're yes. Happy this brings me joy. Yes, I'm glad to hear that. I'm and I am going to keep playing it on the Switch as well. It's nice to just kind of have that game, you know, whenever I want in my in my pocket or in my bag or whatever. Um, the other game I've been playing is um, it's similar similarly sort of like light and not about like story or anything. It's called Ape Out. And oh man, new, I've been hearing things about this game. Oh, it's good. Yeah, so it's this is uh, from. A couple of developers. Well, it's from publisher Devolver Digital, which might give people, I think, an idea of what to expect. And you're like, probably what you're visioning is 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 pretty pretty close to what the game actually is. Um, and it's from developers Gabe Cazillo, Matt Bach, and Bennett Foddy. And uh, Bennett Foddy is like um, the the quap guy. And the one that that game last year I liked, where you had this stick and you had to try to get up the mountain, uh, getting getting over it with Bennett Foddy. Um, this game is you playing as a gorilla in a top-down, super-stylized art style, and you need to get that gorilla out of a building, and there's a bunch of guards between you and getting out, and it's very good. So it also only has two buttons. You can either grab or you can, like, crush. And <laughs> if, you, if you grab someone and you hit the crush button, you throw them, and the idea is to just sort of either book it for an exit or if you start like coming up against too many guards, uh, either you know punch them till they're all bloody pulps on the ground, or hold them and use them as human shields and then throw them. 
and like and the guards have a lot of variety so that you get like one who's just like he has one gun it's a, it's a rifle and another guy has a pistol and he runs away from you get too close and another guy has like a a big explosive on his back and he throws explosives at you. And if you grab him, uh, you could throw him and he'll explode and take a bunch of other people with him. Or if you hold him too long and someone shoots him, he'll explode and take you with him. So like it's, it, there's that kind of variety in the enemy types that keeps the game feeling fresh throughout. Um, and I, I've, I, you know, I started playing it yesterday and I just kind of couldn't stop. Cause it's just, it's immediately so much fun. You get it immediately. And it's just got this great style. It looks really cool. It's like a high contrast, colorful art style. And then it's also got a dynamic drum system in the background. So when's where, it coming depending, to switch? Yeah. And I think it is on switch. People were talking oh, about buying it yesterday. Right. So yeah, I think it came out yesterday on switch and PC. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. So, uh, yeah, people should definitely check it out. There's actually, I put a video on the site on a, a, our story about it. Um, and it's just a total palate cleanser. Like, it's the game where, uh, like, I was listening to your podcast with your brother, and you guys were like, yeah, sometimes things in gaming are a bummer. And that's, you know, it's kind of not why we got into the hobby. And now that we're adults, we have to deal with this stuff. It's one of those games where it's like, you can get in, turn off your brain, and that you're going to do better if you turn off your brain. And also, the people involved with it aren't posting on 8chan. So like, we're, <laughs> like it's a, yeah, it's one of those. So it's like, it's yeah, just all exactly. around one of those games. You could feel good about turning your brain off. And I really appreciated that right now. Cool. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep playing that. I'll probably have more to say next week, just as I get through it. Um, I want to see if it's kind of set up like uh, Spelunky. Cause it has like these four sections. Uh, but I'm not sure like if that progression is like, <clears throat> Oh, I'm trying to like get my best score throughout this, or I'm trying to like post better times than my friends. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a ton of replay there, but I, so far I'm, I'm enjoying it. That's kind of all, all I really wanted from it. Um, Mike, Yo. should we do some news? Oh, let's do it. Okay. All right. Let's get right into it, everybody. So speaking of posting on 8chan, <laughs> THQ Nordic did that for some reason, which is just a baffling thing. So, um, I guess let's explain this story to people, Mike, if they weren't paying attention. Sure. Uh, THQ Nordic is a third-party publisher. They do, like, Darksiders 3. And then er earlier this week, right, they posted on Twitter, hey, we're doing an AMA on 8chan. I don't know why. Whatever. And people were like, huh? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, what? And so when I first saw it, there was also then the follow-up one where they were explaining it. And the way, like, what did they say? It was like, they said the opportunity was there and we took it. It sounded like, like in Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so like, if people don't realize why this is maybe a problem, um, HN is a successor to 4chan. These are both image boards that are, I mean, they are successors in a way to 2chan, which is a Japanese image board. That doesn't matter. Uh, the part that matters is that, 8chan got started because 4chan would no longer allow child pornography is the short story. Um, there's back nothing in I, Gamergate, I think. I think, yeah, 4chan Gamergate was like, right, no more Gamergate popular. stuff. Oh, that? Oh, okay, yeah. Right, so it was already started I got because my 8chan history all mixed up. Yeah, <laughs> it got started because they wanted to have a place to do child porn for free speech, right? I mean, that's, yeah, well, that's, that's what free speech is. That's the issue. And then a year later, um, yeah, Gamergate really started to happen, and 4chan was like, there was some moderators on 4chan that was like, this is dumb, can we not talk about this all the time? And everyone's like, you're destroying our free speech, we're going to go to 8chan instead. Um, so then 8chan became a place for Gamergate reactionaries and child porn. And Google was like, in 2015, oh, yo, we don't like child porn, so we're going to stop listing you. And this is like the basic history of 8chan, and a lot of people know this, a lot of people don't. 
a lot of people aren't like familiar with even like what 4chan is. I get it. Um, but they went and did this without doing their due diligence is kind of what their, the, the, the apology eventually said. That's how they framed it. Um, but they Shout did go through with it. Yeah. What's wait, what'd you say? Shout out to Mark. Shout out to Mark. So yeah, that's what, well, yeah, that was the thing. So when they were explaining why they were doing this, um, there is this tweet. It's just kind of, it, it was, it gets more and more incredible the more you read it. And Hey, let me see. I'm, I'm gonna. He has the. I think they still left it. Oh no, they eventually did delete it. So oh, really? I can't remember They're the exact wording. Yeah, they left it up for days. They said, yeah. um, basically, what it said was, uh, you know, we were we're gonna go do this because uh, they reached out to us and they were very friendly. Um, and so the nice. person, the said person who who you know who said they would do this, shout out to Mark, said he would take care of the nasty stuff. Um, so, first of all, he's aware there's a nasty stuff. He's also talking to Mark, who's just a fucking dude, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, Mark. Um, shout out to Mark. And it's like, still, people are seeing this and just like, wait, why, why though? You know what this is. Um, and then the, the, they kind of ignored that. They went through with it. They posted a bunch of responses to weird questions like, where are the big titty anime lollies yeah. at? And it was like, like a picture of like sexualized young girl with very big breasts. And they were like, oh, looks like you got them already. And now like, okay, maybe, maybe that's just like, oh, I'm playing along because I'm friendly corporate guy. Um, but like, I don't know. Most friendly corporate guys just ignore the weird questions on Reddit. Like, animals, most, most right? friendly, I feel like most friendly corporate guys would just be like, ah, let's not respond to the thing about lollies. Or if right. they don't know yeah. what a lolly is, be like, "Well, this seems weird, and I don't know what this is. Let's 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 be careful." Yeah, this is not this is not our brand message. Let's ignore this. Like that's the safe route, right? The, and these are like what we're doing here. This is the very generous reading of the situation, right? We're assuming the best case for these people involved in this. Um, and, and you know, I think that's fair to a point, but not exactly to the end of like what actually ended up happening here. Where he continues, and, and when I say he, it's Philip Brock who is like. Uh, vice president of marketing and communications for THQ Nordic. And this is like the sub version of THQ Nordic. That's like a branch that does, doesn't own some of the other studios. Uh, that is also called THQ itself, Nordic. They're both called THQ Nordic. Right. Exactly. So Coffee it's, State uh, was very, very, was very uh, yes. happy to point this out on Twitter. Like we are not necessarily affiliated with these people posting on HN. Right. Yes. It is like, we're not owned by that THQ Here's Nordic. Chart or, or by this one. Yes. And so, so then he continues to post this Philip Rock guy, and uh, in response to this, ask me anything, and and one of them's like, oh, uh, you guys aren't like giving into the social justice warriors. Please don't ever do that. And he's like, thank you. We plan not to. Okay, again, like maybe he's just taking a compliment. But then it gets to like this weird one that's like, okay, clearly this guy's just like he knows where he's at, and he's just right. He's playing along, and it's about this person legitimately just asking what is up with destroy all humans, the video game series. That is the extent of the question. Yeah. That's all it says. And his response is we're working it like an alien prostitute. Like, what, what does that mean? What is, what are you like? You know, what does it mean? What does it have to do with the person is at? Like the person is asking, why would this be the official communication of this publisher? Um, it was a, a baffling thing, and it was, it, but it's also right in line with the sort of jokes maybe you would find on an 8chan. Honestly, it's almost worse than a lot of the jokes you would find on 8chan, just in terms of like whether or not it's going to make you laugh, because it's totally nonsensical. But, like, yeah, he posted it, and so it's like, then he comes out afterwards, when I think he's assuming most people are just mad because they saw the tweet about them doing it, and didn't actually go there and look and see what he posted, and his apology was... 
Um, I, I did this. I take full responsibility. Uh, I did not do my due diligence. I didn't know that HM was associated with these things. And then we do not condone child porn, racism, and white supremacy and all this stuff. And it's just like, well, I mean, you certainly seem comfortable with the way that they were talking and you were joining right in. Like no one was really like prompting you to make that weird prostitution joke. Um, so like, are, are you apologizing for that? And he, he doesn't, he ends up not like he never actually apologized for what he said in the thing just for doing it. Um, and it was, it's just this baffling thing where, where maybe, okay. So maybe you didn't know. It doesn't seem like you didn't know though. As far as I could tell, it seems like you were fully aware in your tweets. You're like saying, Oh, we don't know why we're doing this. This is pretty strange. Right. And, and you're also like fully aware that there's going to be nasty stuff that Mark shout outs is going to take care of, yeah, take care right. of. So it's just uh, a hard thing to actually buy. It seems like he knew what he was doing to a degree. And it, it's, it's hard to imagine with that knowledge that he, well, that he thought it would be okay. I mean, also when he said he was doing it immediately, everybody's like, what are you doing? You think, you know, that would have been a red flag. Mm-hmm. The, the, the ratio, right. Was out of control. Right. He would have immediately been like, Oh, well, why is everyone freaking out? Yeah, we don't have to do this. Uh, but I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know what his like working environment's like. Is there other people around him that could say this seems like a bad idea, or is he just is he just gets some to person operate in on office? His own? Like, yeah, what, what's his oversight? We don't know. Yeah, we don't. But it's like I, I think, and like you know, you saw like uh, people like Stephanie Tinsley on Twitter saying like. Um, every PR person I know today is like this. And it's that picture of that kid in his class. And he's got the vein popping out of his head. because oh, He's yeah. trying to control himself. Um, and that's because like PR people like, don't ever want to mention, like don't ever want to comment what other, what's going on with other companies that aren't their clients, especially. Um, but like, you know, you got the sense that they're like, this is such a bad move. It's such a fiasco that no matter what, even if this guy didn't know, that's not an excuse. He should be fired. But also he probably knew. Like it's just it's just the way that everyone was speaking it is, about yeah, it. it. I think that's, that's the right reading. Yeah, it does seem nuts. Like, how is this guy not in a lot of trouble? Yeah. But and so now, now uh, we're a couple of days removed from this, and it does seem like it's just going to sort of maybe fade away. And THQ Nordic's not going to really deal with this guy, and they are uh, they're not really even going to address it beyond that apology. Um, and again, like this is the. The, the 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 THQ Nordic GmbH or whatever, which is again not the overarching THQ Nordic parent company, um, and that parent company has never made a comment one way or the other about this. So it's just it's very it's frustrating, and it's to to me it's it's like really deflating because uh, HM really was a big part of GamerGate. They are the kinds of people that were plotting out, um, uh, you know, trying to get people swatted or whatever. And, you know, they're always coming up with these uh, enforcement things where they're going to go and, like, attack people on Twitter until, like, they really are, are overwhelming them with nonstop uh, crazy and angry comments. Um, and they're the kind of people that, like, forced a lot of awesome people out of the video game business. People that were, like, Jen Frank. Yeah, from, like, Frank was, you know, yeah. yeah. She, like, the, the industry is worse off without her. And it's because of people like 8chan, or the people that are on 8chan. To this day, the people that are on 8chan. And so to go and like even come close to legitimizing that is something that like really breaks my heart. Uh, and it's, it's, it's I think Imran Khan at Game Informer today is like, hey, we can't actually let this go. We can't move on to the next thing because this is still happening. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm right there with you. But also, what do we do? Like, I think I'm I, I, the story I wrote was like very much like this is 
this is crazy. Like the, there's no reason this guy shouldn't face consequences. I don't know what else to do at this point. Uh, it feels like it, it is in the publisher's court, uh, you know, the balls in their court or whatever, and they're not going to do anything about it. So it's a, it's a bummer. It's, it's kind of weird. It makes you wonder about the whole company's culture. Like maybe they, yes. maybe they're just some other kind of weird, gross place that, you know, is, is, is as a company is like, okay with this kind of stuff. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I'll maybe yeah, I'll they say, all like, sit around I was, at lunch and talk about social justice warriors and laugh or something. I don't and I, know. I, that is my assumption at this point because I, I, I think um, when this was happening, Jason's like, "Oh, here's the email address for one of their PR people," uh, and it's not like an outside firm; it's someone who's at THQ Nordic. Uh, go ahead and reach out to this person, and I did, and they never got back to me. And then, like an hour later, someone DMs me um, that person posting on 8chan. And it was in response to someone who's like, and I'm going to use this word and, and I don't, I don't mean, I'm just gonna, this is what they said. It's like, Oh, quit your faggotry. And that's what the post Whoa. was. And it, it was about, it, he didn't say this. He, someone else posted this. It was a picture. And then he, his response to that was like, Oh, you might see that in one of our new video games. Whoa. What? What is that? So what does that mean? Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, unless like, you're just like, your sense of humor is so like actually kind of bad and also skewed that you're like, this is a joke now. I, I mean, I don't get it. I don't know what it means, but it's like, okay, no, there's a culture here. It's not being dealt with for a reason. This is who this company is. All right. All right. So now we know, Hey, we know now. Um, and, and for people that might not think this is, this is a big deal. Uh, like, again, it just comes back to, this was a thing that people had to deal with for years until they were literally pushed out of the industry because they just couldn't deal with it anymore. Because what human would put up with that amount of harassment nonstop for years? And, and and the people at HN knew that that's what they were trying to do. They knew they were trying to push these people out by just nonstop assaulting them online. So it's funny uh, to see anybody be like, HN's actually not that. <laughs> it's like, okay, right, exactly. So shut the yeah, hell and, up. Yeah. It's and you have, to, you have to you have to take responsibility if you're the one that's like that does like end up legitimizing them even if you didn't know which again I don't believe. I think fortune. I would I would raise eyebrows if somebody did an AMA on fortune. Without a doubt, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm honestly in the end they were very similar. Uh, HM was just like let's be a little worse. Um, yeah. So that's THQ Nordic. It was just a baffling thing that this even Strange happened. Day. That it would happen, and yeah, and it did. Uh, but we got a couple other news stories. Let's get on to those. Uh, Nintendo this week held a Nintendo Direct for the new Pokemon games. Uh, Mike, did you get up to cover this? Because it was bun-ass early in the morning. Did you not see my crowning moment of my life before the, these games were announced? I don't know. Did I? I maybe I missed it. Oh, you missed it. Yeah, so I, I, I was still sick, right? So I didn't sleep the whole night before it. But I was going to get okay. up to cover it. So at like 5 a.m., I was laying in my bed. And just for fun, I decided that I'm going to try to guess the names of the new Pokemon games that are going to be announced in a few hours. And you can find the tweet. It is timestamped. I guess Pokemon Sword and Shield. Oh my! What? How? How did you guess this? I just guessed. I sat in bed for a while, thinking like, what else is there that are like two kind of like things that are like sort of the same but opposites? Like I don't know, Sword and Shield is what I as I'm sitting in my bed in like. A Maybe night you were like time super. traveling on Robitussin in a fever or yeah. something. Yeah, you got you, you like, got to go find that tweet and retweet it because I've not gotten enough praise for literally. Yeah, I, I didn't even know what happened. I'm I'm absolutely going to do that. That's that that, that is impressive. Yeah. I am I am um, your god now. <laughs> so okay, so when it got announced, what, what was your reaction? Uh, mostly being excited that I guessed the name. Well, like, oh, uh, yeah. that's what I'm asking. Like, were you excited yeah. that you got the name right? I yeah. was like, well, so. So after I did it, um, an unnamed insider actually like 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 
tweet messaged me and like, uh, that's the name. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I still, I obviously didn't really like put too much stock in that yet, but it was kind of nice because like my pre-write had the name in. <laughs> so like I was able to push that publish button real quick once they mm-hmm. announced it. So first I was like, oh my God, I'm a genius. <laughs> then, uh, so yeah, it's the, um, well, apparently, like, the Sword Shield thing makes... And I wasn't even aware. Apparently, it was rumored that this game was going to be set, like, in kind of a UK-England thing. Right. And I think they re- I think they originally wanted to call it King and Queen, which is something people have guessed for a while, but I think they were kind of afraid of sort of gendering the two versions a bit. Yeah. For whatever reason. So then they went with Sword and Shield, uh, which... Uh, none of that was in my mind, though. <laughs> when I was guessing, I just threw out Sword and, Sword and Shield. <laughs> Because I'm a madman, but... They, I'm, I'm legitimately impressed and maybe a little frightened. It's the, it's the most impressive thing I've ever done. You should... <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, it's more impressive than anything, than anything I've ever done as well, so that's why I'm laughing. Because, <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, that's... Uh, okay, so then, yes, so then it did get announced. Uh, well, I, I got up later that morning, and, like, first thing I did was kind of watch the, the thing. I knew it was only seven minutes, so I, like, got the phone out and got my kid and made her watch it, and she's like, ooh, Pokemon are cute. I'll watch it. Yeah, sure. Um, what was your what was your reaction as a, as a fan of these games? What do you, what do you think? How do you think of their... Uh, uh, I think the setting is very cool. I kind of, like, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's like, a little different than what they've done. They've, they've done a France-themed one before. But the UK one, first off, because there's just more detail, like it's it looks almost less like the Pokemon version of a UK thing, and like leads more into being the actual kind of like Londony with like a lot of the brick buildings. You see something that looks like Big Ben at some point. It's kind of big, like hill hilly plains and stuff. It's it's very pretty looking. Um, I mean, you know, aside from that, it's very clear that this is not going to be any kind of like a real big departure, right? We we, we see the, right. the three starters fire. Uh, water, grass, again. Um, you know, they look fine. Uh, I think I think I'm kind of on... I think I'm leaning towards the bunny right now, score bunny. I got, I got to see the final evolutions of each to make that choice, though. But, I mean, these are the conversations I all... Yeah, right, it's the same cycle. Like, oh, here's the three yeah, stars. Yeah, it feels exactly like... Um, yeah, like last time. I'm, I'm not... I'm having a hard time actually remembering the... Sorry, people are... Yeah, like what were the starters then? People were very much into like a couple of them. I think that was like, a, was there a penguin that people very much liked? It was the fire cat. No, the penguin was ones before that. Is the fire cat? Um, the the owl and right, okay. uh, some kind of water guy. <laughs> uh, there was a and, water one. So people seem very much into these the, these starters in terms of just like, ooh, well, this, is my, this is my sweet boy. But it's it is the same conversation we've been having for each of these generations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we don't really know too much about like what's going to make this different. It, it, is, the, is the leap to Switch going to make Pokemon a very different experience? My gut feeling is no. Uh, I don't know if that's going to matter, because it's just it's going to be the new Pokemon game, and it is going to be on Switch, so people are going to kind of lose their minds. One thing that I thought was interesting, even a little disappointing, is that like it is going back to random battles after Let's Go yeah, experimented with the Pokemon in the field. Yeah, I mean, some people like that. Because again, it's more like the you know classic Pokemon. But like, I didn't think I would like it in Let's Go, and I really liked it in Let's Go. I liked being able to like try to avoid certain battles I didn't want to do. I liked being able to go through a cave without being forced to fight twenty Zubats. Like right. if I wanted to, because I wanted to catch them or I need experience, I right could. I could do it right yeah. there. I could see there is Zubat. You know, and it also kind of made it like exciting. Like you know, you would see the Pokemon on the field. Like oh, there it is. I go catch it. So. Like again, that would have just been one more thing to help make this feel a bit different again. And I, I, I don't. 
So there's a lot of things about classic RPGs that I'm like, I appreciate this for what it is. It made sense at the time. It still makes sense now. Like turn-based battles, there's a reason you do that over real-time combat. And and I I pick it a lot of times. I do enjoy it. Uh, Random encounters always felt like we can't, we don't have a GM here. We don't have a guy running this D and D game that we're creating. So how do we sort of make, you know, put out an idea of like, here's when a fight happens sort of out of your control. It's, it's coming out of nowhere. Oh, it's going to be random encounters. It, it feels like a, like a vestige, like something that should definitely should no longer be part of this genre. Yeah. Cause it, it, unless you were very specifically just trying to do a throwback game. If you're making a modern one though, a sequel, something that's supposed to be existing today I, I don't know. I don't get it. It doesn't bring anything to the game for me, and I don't know why anyone really would argue it would. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I don't know if I would go quite as far as you as saying, like, it's just a design thing in general that should mm-hmm. be gone. Uh, but I will say, like, a lot of RPGs I play that don't have them, it certainly seems fine and maybe, like, better. I mean, we've, we've had this basically since Chrono Trigger was the first time I could, I think Mario RPG is the same way, too. Like, you had to run into that. Even Tales of Vesperia, which I'm getting close to beating now, it's very much like that. The enemies are on the field, you know? So yeah. yeah, but I mean, I I mean guess it's not it, like you it, can't it, have it, randomness in there. Like you could still have like the 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 Pokemon will spawn at random times on the map. Right. So if you're trying to get that shiny pon- ponytail or whatever, he's he's going only going to uh, you know pop up every once in a while on the map. So you still could feel like that that excitement over things happening at random intervals. Uh, I get that, but actually having to go into the battle to see that to get that randomness to like see if you actually got the thing you wanted to get that's that's a bummer. Yeah, I think it's a little weird. But basically, it's not like, you know, it's it's going to be a Pokemon game. We don't know too much just about it. The stuff that did show looked good. You know, there's reason to be excited, especially if you don't just start a real big Pokemon fan. I mean, it's going to be gangbusters for Nintendo. And, and, and it, I mean, and to be clear, we were... We spent a, a year poo-pooing, uh, hey, you, Pikachu, and let, or let's go, Pikachu. I did, let's especially. Go I was real against yeah. it, and then I <laughs> liked it quite a bit. I liked it way more than Sun and Moon. Right. So, like, I, I, maybe we should be a little right. bit more careful this time. I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm, if I'm so skeptical, it's because I actually was excited for Sun and Moon because I thought that I was really excited about the kind of, like, Polynesian setting. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I just kind of like that stuff, and I was like, it, it sounded like they were making some changes. And then when I played the game, it was so slow paced, so right. kind of boring, and still so familiar. And like the things they did out of like the Z moves, I did not like. So yeah, I, you know, there's a reason why I'm still slightly skeptical. Yeah, we'll and see. yeah, and like I, I think that's totally fair. I just, I, uh, chances are, it's probably going to be pretty good. Still, it's going to yeah. maybe surprise us in a few ways. Um, it, were, were you on this team? Um, I really want Breath of the Wild style departure for Pokemon. Uh, I don't know if I was on that team, but I think I would. I, I, I would probably be more excited for that. I'm certainly not like disappointed. I'm not like mad that they're not doing that. Nor, to be honest, would I really have ever expected it. I would. I would like that. I think that would be cool uh, to do something maybe a bit more open worldy and kind of different i don't i don't want pokemon mmo like some people but kind of pokemon breath of the wild yeah that would be kind of neat yeah i um i i think most people are kind of right there with you where like oh that would be very good i would like that there's no way it's ever going to happen i don't expect it um yeah i don't know i i I think we, every couple of years we say something along the lines of Pokemon needs to needs to have some big changes. The next one needs to be different, and they don't do it, and then they still sell really well, and a lot of people still end up liking them. And then every couple of iterations, I'll go back and actually really enjoy myself. 
So I don't know. Maybe they can keep doing this. Let's go offshoot and get maybe more strange over there and kind of keep it as a uh, pretty I more mean, experience maybe. and get different, but I don't know. Yeah. It is interesting if they're going to continue doing the old style remakes, like the, uh, what, uh, the diamond of pearl would have been next. And it seems like instead of that, maybe they're going to do let's go. Like maybe we'll have the let's go version of gold and silver. I don't know. Right. Let's go. To yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, I, I, was, uh, I thought it looked really good. I, and maybe that's, that's probably going to be enough right. to get me to play these just because it, it looks so good. It's pretty cool. How, like Nintendo just had a great direct, like what, what a week ago or something. And mm-hmm. already here's like the one announcing, you know, their biggest game of the year. So they're, they're it feels like we're back on that pace again, where um, they, they were like this a, a while back. Um, maybe not as much throughout the switch era. Um, but yeah, they were definitely doing the directs at this pace before, and it feels like they got they they got their guy. I, oh god, I just I learned his name. Um, Koizumi. Me too. No, that's wrong. I can't remember his name now. Let's left my brain. I can't. Uh, I mean, it's the guy, the the, the snap guy, and yeah, the, the yeah. guy that wears the hat. Um, and he uh, it seems like he's like no problem leading these directs, getting people hyped for all these games. And then they still know when they need to do a game specific one. And they, they could be like really bunched up two weeks apart from one another. And they're not just comfortable with that. It's like, no, this is our entire strategy. This is how we announce games. Now. Um, I'm, I'm glad they're sort of back on that. Cause it really is exciting and it's working. Um, I was that, that direct was super, super exciting. And then this comes out and it's like, okay. And then if you're a Pokemon fan, you got this as well. That's great. But it's like, all right, it seems like having kind of like summer anchored by Fire Emblem and then fall, which is going to be anchored by Pokemon and uh, Link's Awakening. That seems pretty solid to me. Yes, I, I completely agree. Um, and Mario okay. Maker also in there too. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, yeah this, it's going to be a, it's like they got a bunch of stuff coming out, of, like if not every month, every couple of months. And, um, I mean, like June is is Mario Maker, and then July. What was in July? It was another big one. It's, that it's I, can't July, I think July's Fire Emblem. That's right. Yes. So yeah, like back to back months in the summer, uh, big Nintendo properties. That's that's very cool. All right. Um. So speaking of game announcements, uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is going to get its big reveal at uh, at Star Wars Celebration in April um, that the Star Wars celebration is a big fan event that's held uh, if not every year, every other year. And it's going to be in Chicago this year and they're going to get everyone together. And it's, it's kind of like a comic con specifically for star Wars stuff. Um, and that means they're going to have a panel for fallen order. And then they're going to, you know, they're going to show a trailer. I bet and they're probably going to show some gameplay and really explain what it is. Uh, it's going to be like the big coming out party for this game. Um, Respawn is, is going to be a part of it and, and people can go there and, you know, talk to them and ask them questions at this panel. Um, I, I'm pretty excited about this cause I think this game is going to be pretty good. What, what's like your temperature on this? Oh, I'm very excited. I mean, this is probably the most exciting Star Wars project we've gotten since EA's taken over. Cause as you know, Respawn's got the top of their game right now. Uh, you know, I just, the idea of them messing around with the Star Wars universe seems like a pretty good idea. So, <laughs> Yeah, this is this is a game that I'm like I'm excited about, and I also think it could have some like ramifications for the future of EA. And I, I wrote about this yesterday, um, but I'm pretty sure this game doesn't use Frostbite, which is you know the engine we were talking about earlier. Um, my my understanding is I, I haven't been able to confirm this. So this and but I did see Jason Schreier post this on Twitter as well. Uh, that's the most confirmation I've gotten uh, that it uses Unreal Engine, and so 
Respawn may end up launching EA's two big hits of 2019 in Apex Legends and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and neither of those games will run on Frostbite. They will be on this Source engine, and they will be on Unreal, and they will both be... And those they were using those engines because those are the engines that Respawn chose. They, they had the option to use Frostbite if they wanted to. They chose these other ones. And they did that because they knew that would be best for them. And the rest of EA Studios uh, don't have that choice. Uh, Respawn had that choice because when they started this game, it was 2014 and they weren't owned by EA at that point. Um, so if, if, this, if, these game, if this game comes out and it's, it's critically praised and it sells well, and, and they're looking back and they're like, the last time we had this a breakout hit, it was Apex Legends and neither of them on Frostbite. Why are we still forcing all of our developers to use this engine that seems like it is the thing causing most of the like the fundamental problems for games like Mass Effect Andromeda and Anthem, um, and even Battlefield Five, with which launched without a lot of content. What is the ever? What was ever the thinking of it? It's just because they can save money not having to like you know pay on uh, Epic Games money for using Unreal. Yeah, that that was, like, that's definitely much, the big part. Yeah. It's definitely a big part of it, but it's like also just like. You know, if you have that control over like your technology, uh, it could give you an advantage. I mean, one of the things Patrick Soderlund, who was their former like chief direct like design officer, who is also the former CEO of Dice, who for- kind of forced this whole thing to happen. Uh, one of his early quotes was like, "You know, it's a, it's almost an advantage for us because the the engine looks so good. We can create games that are so beautiful." That part's still true. It's just all the other stuff, like actually creating content and games, that's really difficult with this engine for almost every kind of game, even shooters at this point. If we take Battlefield Five as like an example, um, so like the, the thing was like, yeah, we can kind of have our games all look really great and also control our engine and not have to go out to these other people and pay them and also rely on them to do these updates. We can be in charge of that. That kind of gives us an, another advantage, and it just it didn't it hasn't panned out, right? Like, no, and I guess- imagine a world where Anthem and Mass Effect Andromeda were made in Unreal. Do you really think that those games... I, I, I think my, Okay, I think those games would have turned out way better, would have had a lot more so. content. It would have been... Uh, the, the money they would have had to pay at Epic would have been made up way more in the fact that those games did well, and we would be, we would be talking about and Mass Effect and Andromeda The fact that maybe right both now. of them... Well, not Andromeda, but the fact that like Anthem looks a little bit worse, I don't think, would have ever impacted a single dollar anywhere. Right, and because like a lot of that, like the world of Anthem looks good, yes, because of the graphic fidelity, but also like the art's pretty good as well. Like, and you could do really good art in Unreal without a doubt. Like, come on, yeah, it wouldn't have hurt them. And so it's like this idea that like they had to put Mass Effect on hold. They put the entire franchise on in like a freeze state because they're like because Andromeda was such a a disappointment that they're like we can't go back to that well because it's too poisonous right now. We have to like let it sit for a while. And and if that, I mean. To me, I, the best explanation for that is Frostbite, and it's like, why are you doing this? And Patrick Soderlund is gone now. He's no longer at EA, so there's no longer this former Dice guy who like grew up making Frostbite and loves Frostbite, wants to have everybody on Frostbite. He's no longer there making that push. Are they going to wake up after this game comes out, after Jedi Fallen Order comes out and does really well and say, what the fuck are we doing? Why are we hamstringing our studios? If they want to use Frostbite, they can, but let them choose. Let every studio choose for themselves, and then we'll see. Um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of I, I hope they do, because there's like... I wish Mass Effect Andromeda was a game I liked more. I wish Anthem had more content for people, like because it seems to be like one of the things. Like it's like there's not a ton of variety here. Like most of the missions feel pretty samey. To me, that sounds like another frostbite problem. So 
we'll see. Uh, and I do think that Jedi Fallen Order is going to be the thing that maybe puts this into like sharp contrast for uh, the, the people at the top of EA and makes them want to change. So, yeah, um, that's my rant on that. Uh, next story. <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077 will be at E3. Um what do you think I mean, about this, Mike? It was at E3 last year, so... Yes, it was at E3 last year. It's going to be there again. I think I think this is... A, I mean, they came out on Twitter and said this. I think they might have just confirmed it to a fan. Um, but, I mean, the reason you do this is because sometimes games do show up one year and then aren't there the next year. Uh, we, yeah. We've had a couple of those. And, you know, Sony's not going to be there. People are, like, trying to act like E3 doesn't matter. And, and I think Cyberpunk's like, oh, no, it does matter. It's the thing that caused this game to blow up in the first place. Same with The Witcher, like it's showing at E3, like helped it a lot as well. Um, and so I, I think my reading on this is like they're probably just going to be in a very similar state to where they are last year and it might not be playable, but I'm really hoping it's playable because I would like to go hands on with that game. Uh, do you think there's playable. any chance of that? I mean, if last year was close to it, this year I, you would think it would probably be actually. I hope so. I'm, I guess I'm trying not to get my hopes up. Well, I think it'll be playable. I mean, I'm not go- yeah. basing that on much, except for just kind of you know how these things usually go. But hey, yeah, and they, I mean, they've been, they have been working on this this game for a very long time. It did look. I mean, I mean, if if what people are saying is true that this is probably going to be a next gen game, and it seems likely that maybe Microsoft at least is going to show off a next gen system here. If they want to show that off, this could be a, a game to do it at, even on Microsoft's booth, right? Right. Yeah. And they, they're definitely going to be, I think um, that might've already been confirmed that they're going to be on E3's floor or whatever to show this game off. And I'm sure they'll have another spot during, uh, yeah, the, 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 yeah, they'll have another spot during the, the Xbox promo thing. So yeah. Um, you know, Microsoft, you know, they're going to be talking about their next gen system, right? So yeah, that, that's presumably, not kind of, I guess I yeah, have I mean, to just accept that now at this point. I, I, yeah, I mean, they, they said, I guess was that, that might have been a rumor as well. I thought they might have confirmed that. Um, but the, the rumor is, like, they'll be talking about it. And it's like, yeah, Microsoft's kind of talked about new hardware for, like, the last three E3s. Um, if you talk about, like, the the Xbox One S and One X, and they've kind of always got something coming in terms of hardware. We've heard, so. we've, we've heard the rumor multiple times about, like, there being two versions of it. The one right, with yeah. this and, like, the digital-only one that's like, ah, it seems like that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I do hope that they've made progress enough to where we could feel good about going hand we we can go hands on with it and they feel good enough about letting people actually play. Um, I would be very excited because that's a game I'm looking forward to. Um, next story, I think we just got uh, two more. Uh, the next story is about that devotion game, which is a horror game from I think it's out of Taiwan, and it's a it was doing really well. I had like a lot of good buzz about like the quality of its gameplay and how uh, scary, how scary it actually is. Um, but the game actually ended up getting pulled down, and people weren't exactly sure about like what happened here. And the first things that started coming started started coming out was like, oh, we're looking at the game; it's getting review bombed on on Steam. And everyone who's complaining about it is complaining about a poster in the game that compares uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping to Winnie the Pooh, which is something that that he very much hates. He very much does not like that. It is a banned to do that on Chinese internet. And apparently a bunch of Chinese like gamers who are, you know, maybe members of the party um, went on to steam to, to give this game a bad review. And, and I think people were like, wait, did steam take this game down in response to China? That was like the early thing that came out. It's like, that's not exactly what happened. The developer took it down and the developer said, 
we took it down for technical reasons so we could do more QA. But maybe we'll change some content. So it seems yes, yes, exactly. So I guess the poster says something like Xi Jinping, Winnie the Pooh, moron. And you know, Taiwan and China has a beef going back a long way. Uh, Taiwan does not recognize China. China still says Taiwan is China. It's a whole thing. Um, and so, like, yeah, there's going to be no love lost there. But this is, I think, what happened here was this wasn't necessarily anyone given into government censorship. It was, oh. Chinese players don't want to be like, playing a game that says Xi Jinping, Winnie the Pooh moron. So this is bad for business. And yeah, they're, they're review bombing us and we don't want to be known for this because that could still hurt us in Japan or in China. Sorry. And so they went in there and decided to change it for themselves. And it wasn't sort of a top-down decision from Steam or even like China. Some classic geopolitical politics at play here. In yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is why you should play Ape Out. You don't have to think <laughs> right? about this. Yeah. Don't have to think about it. It's very important. That's the motto um, of podcasts. I'm thinking about yeah. it. Wait, what was that? What was is it that the motto of our podcast? You don't think about it. Yes, no, that's we're right. We're supposed you, to think while the listeners. We're thinking about it for everyone else, which yeah. is maybe a mistake. I'm starting to realize. Yeah, right. My brain adding a lot a of little, stress. A little worn out. Yeah, from all this. Um, last story. We'll get this one, and then we'll get out of here for everybody. We've been going for more than an hour, which is long for just you and me, Mike. Usually, we're out of here in like 50 minutes. So, wow. a lot to say this week. Um, okay, so. Anthem's physical sales uh, were half that of Mass Effect Andromeda's. Uh, we probably should drop this story in earlier, but whatever. This is from Eurogamer, and it's about UK sales, which actually still kind of gives a lot of uh, numbers. Um, I, well, what, is, what does this make you think, Mike? I guess, what, what's your take on this? Well, I mean, Andromeda was not a great opening sales itself, right? Like, it was down significantly right. from Mass Effect 3. It was like half of Mass Effect 3. These are physical I mean, sales only, though. It seems to be a good indicator that Anthem is certainly not... You know, even with Destiny, right? The both of those. It seems like despite the criticism, they both still came out and made a lot of money immediately, at least. And Anthem may not have that part going for it, which is going to be kind of tough. Um, what, what this really tells me is, boy, is EA probably happy about Apex Legends, because yes, it seemed like so much of EA was going to be riding on what Anthem did. And I feel like if there wasn't Apex Legends, if Anthem wasn't just like immediately a smash hit, it would be this giant cause for concern. But that would be like all anyone was talking about in relation to EA. But now right. it's just Apex Legends. Right now it's this. Yeah, I mean it's it's probably demoralizing for specifically Bioware, but EA itself is probably not like sweating bullets necessarily. So I'm, my thing is, um, I. This is just physical sales, and I, I haven't been able to confirm this exactly, but my understanding is this game has had the highest percentage of digital sales in the history of sure. EA. Uh, and it's not like... So on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, the, the split of digital sales for most new games was like 10%. Um, that changed pre pretty early on in this generation. It started, it started getting up to like 20 30%. So... Every new game sold, 20 to 30% of those were sold digitally, you know, over Origin or, or Steam or Xbox Live uh, or PlayStation Network. Um, but this game sounds like it might be almost in like 70 to 75%. Digital. And it makes sense that way. And yeah, exactly. It does. And if that's the case, um, like this, these physical sales really don't even tell, come close to telling anywhere near the whole story. And on top of that, like, this is the game that really was the coming out party for uh, uh, EA Origin Access Premiere on PC, 
which is like the service where you pay us $15 a month and you get all of our new games the day they come out on PC. Um, and so like, I, I would imagine a lot of people who were like, Oh, maybe I'll check out battlefield five. Oh, look, Madden's coming to PC. Now I, I guess I kind of would be interested in playing those games if it was on a Netflix like service. Oh, look, Anthem, that's a game. I'll, you know what? I'll wait for Anthem. I'll pay 15 bucks. I'll get all three of those games at once. I'll play them for a month, and then maybe I'll continue my service. Maybe I won't. Uh, I, I think that might have been what happened here for, uh, as well, to, to the tune where it's like, that might be the thing where EA might have to like really look at its numbers and be like, we said we we're going to sell five to six million copies. How do we count these ones that are like as part of this service? Um I, that that might be the challenging thing for them uh, going forward, but we'll we'll have to see. I don't know. But regardless, what you said uh, about Apex Legends and that being like they're happy about that, I think without a doubt they're like, you know what, Anthem, whatever. We got Apex Legends. We're not really worried about it. Take right some now. of the heat off of the game. Exactly. Sure. And I think that's like from the top down. Like at Bioware, probably feels a little bit of stress, like re- release from that, and then people like I'm sure Andrew Wilson's probably walking on sunshine a little bit right now. So, yeah. Okay, I think I think that's going to do it for us, though. So, Mike, why don't we go ahead and tell people where they could find us on the internet? Sure, you can uh, always find me on GameSpeed, right there, and uh, also doing the Exploding Barrel podcast with my brother every week, and that's at ebpodcast.com. And on Twitter, I am Tolkoto, T-O-L-K-O-T-O. Go there and find the proof of my incredible Pokemon prediction, because I'll be writing that one for a while. You'll, you'll be hearing about that still for years to come, Jeff. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm Jeff Grubb on Twitter. I am uh, also Jeff Grubb on Twitch. I've been streaming more, finally. Uh, I, I did Ape Out. I've been doing Trials Rising. Uh, they've been kind of late streams. I'll try to do a little bit earlier, but it's just the way my life is working right now. Uh, and then also YouTube.com slash Jeffrey Grubb, where I am posting the, uh, the archives of those streams, and I'll probably be posting some other videos as well. Uh, I just read a headline, Chris Avalone wraps up work on Jedi Fallen Order. Um Avalone or Avalone. Either way, he's a good writer. I didn't know he was working on that game, and now I'm even more excited. So, yeah. Okay. Mike, should we just say goodbye to the good folks? Goodbye, good folks. Goodbye, good folks. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, We'll try to actually do an episode two weeks in a row now. We'll see if we can make that happen. Until then, have a good one, and goodbye.